Welcome to the Higher Ed Huddle Hot Off the Press podcast, where we bring you the latest higher ed news and stories twice monthly. I'm Joe Trano, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chase Good. We are with Barry Dunn's Higher Education Management and IT Consulting Team. Chase, how are you today? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? Doing well. Good, good, to, uh, good to talk to you again. Um, on today's podcast, we're going we're gonna to look at mergers in higher education, uh, which is an interesting topic. We usually associate mergers and acquisitions with the private sector, but we're going to talk about some of the news items that you've seen regarding uh, mergers of uh, institutions. So uh, let's dive right in. What, what, have you, uh, what have you heard? What have you seen in the news? Yeah, Joe. So in terms of mergers in higher ed overall, recently they've become much more popular driven by institutions that are wanting to stay afloat. The frequency of mergers has increased since the start of, of the pandemic and the rise in popularity of online education. According to the Association to Advance College, Collegiate Schools of Business, the uh, first driver of a merger in higher ed is financial turmoil that's being experienced by the institution. The second driver is a university consolidation plan that's, that's being imposed by the government. A recent example of this was uh, Pennsylvania's consolidation of six universities into two. And the third driver is the proactive decision to pursue students in other markets, which can also be seen internationally to attract students around the world. Higher ed mergers can offer specific advantages, such as reducing costs and offering cost-sharing opportunities between institutions. They offer the opportunity to increase revenues across multiple different locations, as well as diversify uh, course offerings through partnerships and uh, different affiliations. They can be a faster growth mechanism than traditional independent uh, development of the university. And they can, and there can be benefits of scale to reduce employee workload in some areas if the university or if the universities are um, moving towards a more uh, systematic approach. Um, but there can also be some difficulties with mergers in higher ed. There's a, a risk of brand identity of the institution being lost uh, during a merger. Uh, offering courses that are taught by professors that the institution didn't hire um, kind of speaks to the lack of control that needs to be accepted during a merger. And, you know, quality as a whole is only partially under control of each of the institutions that are uh, participating. So really understanding the, the advantages and the disadvantages of mergers, you know, is really important to consider um, before an institution were to go down that pathway. The institution also needs to understand the impact on stakeholders. Sometimes internal employees may be unaware that the merger is underway, and this can create challenges and lead stakeholders to resisting the the merger entirely. There's an example um, from Purdue University where faculty at Purdue voted against the acquisition of Kaplan University simply because they weren't informed of the decision being made. So it's important to have lots of open dialogue with the faculty and employees at the universities beforehand. And this can also, you know, there's also the the donors and the the alumni of the university. Those are also considered stakeholders that, you know, should be controlled for. Um, There was a a potential merger between Thunderbird and Laureate Education um, that was called off because alumni intervened and they, they kind of spoke out against it. So really understanding the importance of stakeholders um, you know, when you're approaching a merger, that's, uh, you know, something that needs to be kept in the forefront of everybody's mind. You know, financial, inst- uh, financial instability 
at the institution level can also lead to mergers collapsing. So there was a recent example from Marymount College and St. Leo University that got called off because Marymount's balance sheet showed a 50% decline in enrollment since 2015 that wasn't brought to light until the merger was um, close to being concluded. So really, you know, there's a lot of different moving pieces when you're thinking about a merger in higher ed. And, you know, those are just a few of the examples to kind of speak to each of those different points. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. And I, I imagine just with some of the challenges over the last couple of years with the pandemic, it's likely accelerated some of the interest in, in merging institutions um, for the benefit of staying afloat or staying uh, viable. Um, what are some other examples that you've heard uh, of mergers that you've heard of? Yeah, so another recent example is between Otterbein and Antioch College in Ohio. This is not a traditional merger in the typical sense of the word, um, because they're looking to folk, or to create a more systematic approach, seeing that Antioch has multiple uh, different campuses across the U.S. They're focusing on graduate education and adult learners, so they're kind of taking a different target um, when they're diversifying their course offerings. They're wanting to bring in other institutions into the fold, so this is not necessarily going to be just between Antioch and Otterbein. There's going to be potential as the system develops to bring other institutions, but those institutions are going to go through a more stringent evaluation process because Antioch and Otterbein both cited that they understand the risks of moving towards a more systematic approach. And both of them understand that the market challenges, such as a shrinking pool of traditional undergraduate students, um, also factored into both of their decisions to try to attract, you know, a greater, you know, enrollment class. And this, you know, ideally will help both of those institutions offer a greater variety of courses, as I've already mentioned. Another uh, example would be uh, with non-private, uh, non-profit private institutions. There was a three-member university system in Washington State and the TCS education system, which was a multi-state alliance of five different institutions that also combined um, recently. There were some other mergers. So in Philadelphia, St. Joseph's and the University of Sciences are currently in the process of combining. We spoke to that a few months ago. And in Connecticut, there's a 12 community college merger underway that's under the approval of the state system to become one Connecticut state community college of by July of 2023. And this is the first one of its kind uh, in terms of size and, uh, and a one time effort. And so, again, you know, a steady enrollment decline, lagging success metrics and an unsustainable financial trajectory were all cited as reasons that was driving that Connecticut merger. So. Really, we're, we, as you mentioned, you know, the, the increase of, or the increased frequency of mergers that we're seeing in higher education is, you know, largely driven by the institutions wanting to stay afloat. But whether or not they'll be successful is still yet to be seen. Yeah, I'd be interested in, in uh, following up on these news stories, maybe, uh, you know, six months from now or a year from now, just see if these mergers have succeeded. Uh, have they reached the, um, the the objectives that they reached out for? Um, have they been successful and really, um, you know, uh, achieving achieving their goals and staying afloat and and being successful? It'll be interesting to see that. Um, any um, any any recent news related to uh, institutions closing that you've come across in the last 
um, you know, over the last couple of years due to the pandemic? And if not, maybe that's an area, maybe just to see if there's any information out there in the news around that. Yeah, well, I know, um, for example, Unity College uh, did uh, have to close its doors um, following the pandemic. And there were some other examples that I can definitely um, do some follow up research on. But, you know, the pandemic has definitely brought a lot of you know, turmoil to the higher education space. And so, you know, when you're thinking about you know, potentially merging your institution, there's a few important things to keep in mind. And the AACSB really called out a few of those things that would be you know, helpful to a successful merger. So the number one um, reason that they cited was being local that can really help drive the success of a merger. The, the Connecticut-based community colleges are a good example of that, as well as two institutions in Phoenix um, that also merged uh, in last year. Having a robust online learning experience um, that's already been developed can also help kind of broaden course offerings when you're, you know, per, uh, pursuing a merger. But overall, um, you know, as I mentioned, stakeholders need to be present throughout the different conversations that are being held um, leading up to a merger and cultural differences between the institutions need to be managed consistently. So whether that's a management structure or a um, specific industry that the, the institution is trying to focus its current courses on. There needs to be an understanding of those differences when they're approaching a merger and really trying to align those strategic goals in unity so that, you know, it can be successful. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I imagine culture is a big a big challenge for mergers, um, specifically around institutions that have very different cultures, you know, um, different history. I'm wondering about uh, accreditation. If, if there's a challenge there with different accrediting bodies, uh, could be, I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into, um, you know, a merger, uh, as you pointed out in your um, news stories. Um, but very, uh, very fascinating. It's not something that you would uh, initially think that you would see a lot of in higher ed. Um so there's a lot of independent, uh, independence, I should say. Uh, schools like, um, you know, they have a very independent view of who they are, um, whether it's um, institutions that have been around for, you know, 50 to 100 years. They have pride in, in what they stand for and what they've uh, been able to build um, as an institution and their reputation and so forth. So it's got to be really difficult for institutions even to consider merging with uh, another another school, um, so well, I, I won't say. Oh, go ahead. Oh well, and a big part of that is really understanding what are the issues that they can fix internally, and what is something mm -hmm. that a merger would really help them address. You know, is it something that they need to be more effective in the back office? Do they need to try to improve their own recruitment and enrollment efforts? Or is it, or are they capable of broadening their academic programs without necessarily pursuing a merger? So really understanding the benefits that the university is hoping to get out of the merger and what they can't achieve on their own, that's also something that they need to consider. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, we, um, we, we often hear, um, you know, that the tagline of, of doing things together um, can, can benefit institutions that are not able to do it on their own. And so um, 
you know, that, that certainly holds true to collaboration, holds true to doing things together, whether it's, uh, you know, running a race, for example, or, um, you know, merging to, to, um, to really share resources. And so certainly doing things together can, can yield, um, better results than something that you, you are having to do on your own. So I like, uh, I like that concept. Um, and certainly the, the, the stories that you've shared regarding mergers really speaks to that. So I want to thank you for your stories, um, for, uh, for this week. So Chase, thank you again. And I guess I'll see you in, in two weeks. Sounds good, Joe. Thank you. More for news. Here. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, for our listeners, if you wish to read more about these news items, please refer to our show notes for links to these stories. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google. Check back in two weeks for more higher ed news and stories. For Chase and I, until then, stay well. <laughs>